Percy Marshall, it's a 1997 work called Heaven, which you see where I'm going with this, so we're going to describe it with that kind of Heaven. And so the work was commissioned by the Deal Center for the Arts in New York, but we'll quote a few international shows that Percy and uh, she made what I believe to be one of the great works of Australian art, where she just gave all her girlfriend pen cans and sent them down to the beach and said, join me in getting pens and getting beats and called Heaven. And, that, and that's, that's, the, uh, that's the work. There's a lot going on in these rooms. So, so um, the works on the, on the white wall are by uh, Leif McGregor, the, the artist that we saw uh, at the front there with that sort of message of hope. Once again, sort of addressing the, um, the climate crisis with this work behind me where the, the bottles on the wall spell out SOS, um, uh, so, you know, the distress call. Um, what Leif did was he made me think he did a call out for messages in bold and he received over a thousand bottles from all over the world. Uh, some of you may have even contributed one. Uh, so it's really great for people to come and, you know, I like that sort of sense of being open in a museum and trying to put something that's on display in a museum. So hopefully you've seen a little bottle or two in this uh, time slot. So, you know, part of the clarion call about, you know, what's happening with the, the climate crisis and, you know, Leif's sensual visual about going to the, the floodwaters was also about the way we communicate. And, you know, a message in a bottle is, is let's face it, the most romantic but the most impractical way to communicate to someone. It's hopeless, right? Um, a lot of the messages are very kind of heartfelt and professional and kind of thing, but this actual sort of throwing this idea out into the sea and hoping that, you know, it might find its destination is without doubt the worst form of communication but the, the most uh, beautiful. And talking about the way that we connect, and over the last few years, the way that we, we connect has, you know, has been impacted uh, dramatically. I was very keen not to make a binary about COVID, like a binary of sort of COVID is bad, we all know that COVID is bad, but rather to look at how those things and other kind of forces that are going around, you know, ongoing battles against equality, the climate crisis, how these things are, are affecting us on an individual level. And in the last couple of weeks, it really feels like they're affecting us on an individual level. But even that kind of connection, I think we're all familiar, you know, we're running up to the edge of the cliff and I can feel tensions all around me. COVID is like this weird kind of dance of like the highs and the lows and all these kind of things, weird things that would have been seen as a going away and go away and all of these kind of things. So it's a change the way that we communicate. And it's also removed us from our lives. And this is continuous. You know, the, the people, particularly places like where I'm from and New South Wales and Victoria, were just simply not connecting with each other. You know, and I'm not talking about sexual contact, but had no physical contact with another human for for years. And what that does to you and what that does to your psyche. The blue walls represent works by the amazing Tasmanian-based performance artist Lauren Cronemeyer. She's got a really interesting kind of performance practice, which is all around acquiring new skills, but skills that are geared towards survival, particularly of, of, of apocalyptical kind of survival. So she sort of learned archery up to a kind of incredible level, as you can see over there. Um, but before the Adelaide Biennial, she had traditionally focused on learning how to make throwing mats and learning how to throw um, throwing mats. And you can see up here on the wall behind me the beautiful kind of shadow play uh, experimental work. So, um, so there's a lot of um, motifs that run through this division, and some of them are conscious and some of them are unconscious. So a few of them is like shadow play and play with shadows. Um, um, sort of block shapes, particularly triangles, are present in the mirror paintings and you can kind of tell it's kind of darkness um, lurking in the, the consistent paintings that come through. Um, we might go over into the, uh, this room here. All right, so this, uh, this room uh, represents an installation by the Melbourne-based artist Darren Sylvester. Darren's really emblematic as a kind of generational artist, so there really kind of don't seem to be parent artists. So Darren works across sculpture, across photography. He's done fashion collaborations. He's released a whole series of albums and, and music videos. A really kind of interesting guy. And he wanted to make this, um, this is the largest photo he's ever made, this big large-scale photo depicting this kind of proto-satanist spirit. Once again, people are in this kind of idea of um, spirit and, and communing with spirit. Above us, flying around the gallery 24 hours a day in a kind of uncanny manner, is this kite that passes through the 
meant to represent uh, Emo and uh, and uh, the Z people, if anything, uh, the fans. There's a little triangle that you put your finger on and it spells out the letters. That triangle is called a planchette. So this is like the planchette for the guiding around the room, uh, spelling out letters. Also choose this kind of portal uh, piece. And once again, if you have a history of portals, like Cape Portal, Red Portal, Jane Portal, so this works entirely transparent and you can literally know where know where you know you could simply kind of feel and know and think but with the surprise menu you kind of when you walk through it it's surprising you and you kind of know where you're going so you you, you get a sense of what i'm what i'm doing here upstairs kind of live canary and then downstairs you come down to this beautiful soundtrack that you can kind of hear as you're as you're coming down this is a really incredible series of works two works by uh rico rennie uh rico is an artist from uh melbourne but he's a Gamilaroi man from northwestern uh new south wales so um and uh the two films uh depict um different things about family so the the first one that you are watching now uh is uh, a film that sees uh the artist tana a rolls royce corniche a Rolls Royce being the ultimate kind of symbol of kind of British colonial uh, power, um, and then him customizing it in his kind of trademark uh, camouflage, playing off the idea of the initials of, of the Rolls Royces, uh, uh, Rico Rennie, the same as him. Going back to the land uh, in uh, Walgut in northwestern New South Wales, where uh, his grandmother was taken from her bed. And you'll see a shot uh, somewhere away here. This uh, shot here is of Rico and his grandmother uh, together. And so looking, uh, going back to the scene where this uh, disturbance happened, where, where his family were kind of altered um, by this hat, this government sanctioned uh, hat, you know, part of what we would call the Nazi state in those days. But of course, the stolen generation goes back way further than that. So my great-great-grandmother, she was one of the first uh, fighter pilots taken from Germany by government of uh, after uh, the kind of Aboriginal protection act there where the uh, Aboriginal people go um, remove them from the family and call them Aboriginal uh, servants and take them to live live and write and then they were put onto you know farms and put into the government fighter planes Rico and a couple of the other artists in this position are looking at this idea of something that we really don't talk about we really don't what I talk about it when I'm down there we don't like to talk about it but the idea of slavery, that slavery existed uh, in Australia. And, and one could argue that there was also a class-based slavery uh, within there, but convict labour was dirt cheap. Um, and so uh, the fact that, you know, this country, this government was was built on, you know, free settlers like, like here, but was also built on, uh, on slavery. And Rico is also really interested in sort of intergenerational change and what happened up to then and sort of unraveling second work uh, that comes on is sort of looking at his life growing up not in Melbourne not in Tasmania in this part of the world but in Melbourne in Footscray in the docks uh, his father was a penman docker a sort of enforcer he's a sort of public kind of guy he grew up in the Tasman docks and there pretty much stayed till he kind of separated from the country the soundtrack for this work is um, by the Australian musician Nick Perry and the soundtrack for the subsequent work by uh, Deborah Keating, who's got the singing on with the uh, Melbourne Symphony Orchestra. And Deborah's actually singing in, in uh, Rico's uh, Melbourne Symphony Orchestra, which is an incredibly beautiful thing. So um, we'll, we'll continue our tour of Greenfield and Eastern Europe, put us back on the BMW uh, Fiat and get some, if you're not familiar with these works, um, do uh, take a moment. This work finishes with this amazing kind of crescendo of Rico in the Rolls Royce kind of drone driving around and kind of peering in this pattern and to me and you know to a lot of people that looks like this kind of you know kind of aerial pattern that you might see um you know whether it's laser painting or or, or here in Australia it's uh, sort of this 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 I feel like we've talked about uh, a lot of heavy stuff but not everything is heavy like any good thing in a bit of light and you say this installation by Sydney-based artist Ming Wong. Ming, Ming has, has spent a, a, a long period of time living in Adelaide and recently moved to Sydney. I really have been a, a long-term kind of fan of her work, and 
into ways of thinking. And uh, when I first asked her about being in the Bahamas, she's like, 100%, just I'll go back to you in a week with an idea. And I'm like, oh, you're sticking out longer than a week for me? She goes, no, only a week. And she comes back and she goes, okay, I've got it. I want to look at seven spiritualities and create a spiritual sex dungeon for the ladies. And I was like, uh, spiritual sex dungeon sounds amazing. Let's go for it. And I said, yeah. So welcome to Ming Mong Spiritual Sex Dungeon. It uh, has these kind of sculptural work. It's incredible. And you know I'm about freeing your inner guru. And also too, this very kind of 70s uh, poster, which I love, which says, um, sweat is just fat crying. I relate to it in terms of sex, but not in actuality. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so sort of following on from some of the stuff that Rico was talking about, we find ourselves in this installation by uh, James Pyrrhor and Rebecca Selleck. So they're a young couple who live in the ACT. James is Ghana man, uh, Ghana artist. Um, and actually, Erin Davidson from Archives After Show is responsible for them being together. They were both uh, in the Ramsey. You may remember their work from the Ramsey as kind of individuals, and they met during that process and fell in love and have a beautiful uh, child. They were really interested in particularly like the decorative kind of, you know, nature of some of the collections in the, uh, the art gallery. It's upstairs. I think it's incredible. Incredible furniture, incredible furnishings and things like that, playing with that but also site-specific related work. So making this furniture have a beautiful blue drum and looking at these uh, kind of floor walls here. And once again, creating this kind of um, kitchen kind of setting and looking at that idea of creative theatre and Aboriginal uh, healing and preparation. So the photos around with this country, with all the kind of the markings that continue onto the tables and these beautiful flooring turn pictures uh, that are black that sit in this with the kind of lava and the chopping block, the, the butter churn, these kind of things that, you know, we don't have it in the Australia here in history. And a lot of the artists have looked at history, particularly uh, family histories. And it's an interesting thing for me because I always say that, like, the one thing that unites all Australians is that we're all East Coast people. And I don't think we're more than Aboriginal people who are, say, you know, doing justice to being displaced in their own country. But we're all displaced. Like, all of your ancestors, if you know, if you're, if you're not um, Aboriginal, all of your ancestors came from somewhere to here. Or maybe you came from somewhere to here. So we've all got this sort of fractured kind of sense of home. And we're all sort of working together, I guess, to try and, you know, develop an idea of home or what, what it means to be Australian, you know. And that becomes constantly flux. Um, so a lot of the artists look at their own kind of family histories, I guess, as an idea of reconciliation and reconciling um, the past. I've talked about a few of the works in the immediate kind of orbit of, of this arena. Feel free to add a little bit too. And I'll, we'll move on to the next slide soon because we're, we're into probably a bit too too many works. So I'm going to put Rico on next. Um, so we have this um, beautiful diptych by Nathan McGregor, whose work we saw upstairs and in the atria. This kind of chip which frames this long kind of pole or long kind of hanging stool that runs through the middle of the exhibition. Uh, a really interesting video work by Sam Ladwell uh, that was made um, with the hard lockdown in uh, Melbourne, looking at some of the things that had been kind of present in his previous work, you know, things, you know, like action sports, uh, BMX, climbing, all in that kind of programming, but also to experience and sound in this public space out in the public here. At times when he wasn't meant to be out in the public here, and that's exactly what uh, he was uh, preserving out in Melbourne. Um, to the right over there, you'll find the room with some large kind of scale works and very intricate fabric works by the South Australian artist um, Sarah Waters, uh, really um, looking at traditional sound making techniques. So there's there's a guy in South Australia called Frank Lucas, who's the last of the people with traditional sound making techniques. He's actually flown all over the world um, to recreate the ceremonies of lots of sound making art that only exists here in uh, South Australia. Um, he's looking at her family histories and sort of funny actually, she's she's a family here from South Australia in the Mount Gambier and um, she uses the sinkholes in Mount Gambier as kind of an analogy to, to families, you know, that you know, this is surfacing but this is kind of what's, you know, under the ground. And these kind of layers of family life and I think we can all relate to that. I don't know anyone who, you know, when you ask someone about 
that and he goes, oh, my family. Oh, no, we're all getting along perfectly and everyone's kind of well-adjusted and big family function. Like, it's a fantastic time when nothing ever dramatic happens and everything's great. Like, no one experiences that, you know. Um, so she's looking at those kind of family histories and, you know, some of the stuff that her family was, was involved in when she was growing up throughout her high school and thinking about what we saw in her. Also, through the middle, we just see a very kind of bright space with the notes and we see that through Carmen and um, the work of Julie Adams and Brad Avery and Nick Cohen and Peter Griffin in 2016 and Ray Daniel. Like the work they're putting in that piece is um, it's sort of once again about family histories and about what it's like to have a daughter in uh, Perth and what she was there. And then on the left, as you go through, we see a, a really large scale picture of a man running through the woods there um, looking at that kind of rock wall painting that he had done. So this image is taken before the painting and him running from the western side of the painting and then stumbling on it. And then we see uh, neon and the map represents the fight over the English right to run in the original painting that was destroyed in 
beautiful kind of work, very delicate, very considered, um, beautiful work that once again plays with kind of lightness and um, and um, and uh, yeah, and absolutely elegance. Yeah. And Dennis is a great choice for this trio because he is really actively involved in education and he really loves education. Uh, he himself benefited from a lot of programs in Redfern because he's come here from the very start and he's sort of studied it in Redfern and it's kind of like a like a um, an Edwards kind of intervention program into the kids in Redfern where they would take them to sort of experience and stuff. Basically, it's a sort of like taking an imagination to do whatever they want. So go to life leads where they're at, uh, you know, they're Aboriginal kids and there's like forests and stuff that they're out and it's not it's like sort of kind of you know sort of replacing psychotherapy but with you know just about getting them out of their sort of like destructive cycles in the world um, and that's what Dennis kind of in turn sort of kind of takes his music and um, and finds but yeah he's very kind of passionate about that also like trivia um, and design so kind of like relevant information to kind of like keep up with things um, and then Tiffany Burns is a you know a queer um, a queer woman in um, Redfern as well who survival mode I draw your attention now over to the beautiful spirit figures so as I said um, yeah spirit kind of permeates this exhibition and ghost songs and they sing a little ghost downstairs as you turn around and you can hear them check it out on the left as you go uh, up the stairs there's a kind of hidden ghost um, so these are one girl spirits from from uh, Manic Breeder which is in the Northern Territory the Aspen Kalina Basin from the Swanson family she carves these uh, spirits in black and white. And these spirits are kind of interesting. Um, they're, they're neither kind of seen as positive nor negative. They're spirits that appear at periods of great change. So birth or death. And, that, and then that evokes that sort of mental image. And then this is to be seen in this kind of like process of great kind of change and positivity and negativity. It's black and white also in this uh, room we have this incredible uh, sculpture by Kate Stradifer who did the Sarah Story Sarah sculpture. She is really interested in a lot of different things. She's a very dynamic artist um, and works at a number of different things and Sydney being all sorts of diverse interesting art and uh, styles and she's really interested in the South Australian context in renewable uh, energy sources and, um, and climate mitigation techniques. She's particularly into all these bricks that form these columns so that images of bricks sort of stop bashing top of each other. Um, and that's that kind of structure that I like to hum, um, which is actually um, uh, made of biomass, which is um, cross uh, seaweed and estrogens. Um, um, it forms kind of uh, columns. And the thing about biomass is that's incredibly effective at capturing carbon. So it forms like this circle. And it, and it sucks in carbon from the earth. And um, this is not political, but interesting, the other day I walked, you know, I had the opportunity to walk through with the, the Premier of South Australia, and um, we sort of talked about this kind of, you know, this sort of history of innovation in South Australia. Um, you know, I talked about the, um, the, the, the bottles upstairs with uh, vape. You know, when I was growing up in New South Wales and vape had the same experience that I talked about, we were really frustrated because, you know, we would find, you know, we'd have like a Coke bottle or whatever, and it would say redeemable for like four cents in Sydney or seven, you know, in South Australia. And as kids, we're like, why do, you know, why do they get, you know, why, what, we didn't understand. But of course, you know, South Australia had had this amazing kind of history of production of their, their supplements and stuff like that. And it was interesting talking to Premier Marshall because he's like, yeah, we're big into seaweed and, you know, like this is a real opportunity for us, um, this opportunity for South Australia um, to get involved in this kind of innovation and um, renewable thinking and, uh, and uh, climate. Um, this also features um, some uh, archival kind of documents and samples from the Herbarians, um, Aboriginal Herbarians, including the uh, fascinating first edition of um, the book entitled Seaweed in South Australia, which I'm sure you all um, all own and, and, and regularly uh, regularly check in on. Um, thank you so much for taking the time out to come to the show, particularly on this cool night. I really want to uh, you know thank you for your 